Good morning. Um, I'm going to ask Sam to come up and uh, read our gospel reading, which is on page 972 in the Bibles. Mark 4. Me that was exciting it wasn't just about the fruit that has already. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat, so it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let's turn to James. So I think we'll read from the beginning. I'll read nice and quickly. And we're going to read the verses we're looking at today are verses 12 to 18. So Lord, as we hear your word, we pray you'd, you'd touch us through your word, Lord. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, it's on page 1180. If you're looking for it, James is a tricky little book which gets hidden right next to Hebrews 1180. Verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position, because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. And now today's verses, verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full-grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth 
through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, so I'm going to split these verses into three sections. The first one was about trials, carrying on from verse 2 and 3. Second section is going to be about temptation. And the third section is going to be about the goodness of God. Okay? Um, before I start to talk, I want just to look at some two other parallel scriptures. Um, did I give you um, 2 Peter verse 1? No, I didn't. Okay, well, I'll quickly read you 2 Peter verse 1 because this is very similar to what, um, what James says. Sorry, 1 Peter verse 1. Um, Verse 6 says, In this you greatly rejoice, um, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So there it is again, same idea. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. So there we say it again. Trials, whether it's persecution, and it says all kinds of all kinds of trials here, um, they come to us. They're a fact of life. Just a little bit like when it says you have to build your house on a rock, and then the, the parable says when the storm comes. It doesn't say if a storm comes. It says when the storm comes, will your house stand firm? And storms come to everyone else. If you've ever had a kind of a storm in your life. Well, I just say, I'm really lucky and uh, just be prepared because they do come. Um, and um, the other scripture is Habakkuk chapter 3, which is a passage, this is a passage I love. If um, um, Gary can put that up. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, it's sounding a bit gloomy, isn't it? Sounding a bit rough. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The sovereign Lord is my strength, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer, he enables me to go on the heights. It's the same sort of idea, isn't it? Habakkuk's saying, even though everything crumbles around you, you have to rejoice. It's actually an act of will. You just choose to rejoice. Why? Because there are greater things to rejoice in than what you're in at the moment. I happen to know that Joey and Beth are having a bit of a trial at the moment. Aren't you? Where have they gone? Bit of a trial with their house being rewired, all sorts of trouble and hassle. Adam's having a trial at the moment, aren't you, Adam? With um, wood rot in his house. Um, Adam and Abby are having a real trial there. I imagine you could all say something that, that's going on in your life that's a trial. So here's three facts about trials. First fact is, if a trial comes to you, then God has allowed it to come. Because God doesn't go to sleep on the job. He doesn't get caught napping by anything. If a trial has arrived at you, then God's allowed it to come. Okay? 
even if it's, if it's obviously an attack of the enemy, um, God still allowed it to happen. So that's one fact about a trial. You have, to, you have to think that when it comes. So when you go along in your car and you suddenly get a flat tire and you think, oh no, um, God's allowed it to happen. He hasn't made it happen. He's not like that, but he has allowed it. So you have to think, right, um, I'm going to have to see what God wants to do in me to help me through this trial. Second fact, so the first one is God's allowed it to happen. Second fact is that trials reveal what's in your heart. Um, John Eldridge, who um, is the writer of the book Wild at Heart, says this about personal criticism. He says, personal criticism is very hard to take because it exposes the areas in our lives where we're not grounded in God. And it's the same for trials, so I'll say I'll put trials in its place. Trials are often very difficult for us to, to um, go through because they expose areas in our hearts where we're not grounded in God. Right? So the second part is um, trials reveal what's in our heart. And there's a lovely verse in Proverbs which says, The crucible for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart of a man. Sometimes trials are the only way that God can show us what's in our heart. It shows areas where we're not trusting in him. And the third thing, as you look at um, in James, um, verse 12, where it says, um, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, and it feels like you're under a test sometimes, doesn't it? Like you're in the test. When he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. The third thing is that you've got to realise that trials are doing something of eternal value in your life. Right? So, it might not seem nice to Adam to think that good work is doing something of eternal value in his life, but it's building perseverance in his life. He's pushing through. Because if you don't have any fight, then you don't have any way to develop your muscles, do you? You have to have some kind of fight to develop your muscles. Um, so Adam's pushing through and he's learning perseverance. And perseverance is such an important thing. Resilience. I used to have a little um, toy when I was little. It was um, made of sort of polythene. It was like a, a, a bear, a yogi bear. And you would punch it. You know, Come straight back up again. You punch it again. I have to love it. You come, always come back. Coming back up again is called resilience. And we need to learn resilience. So there's the three things. God's allowed the trial to come. Trials reveal what's in our heart. And it has eternal value. So James links this trial with receiving the crown of life. It's to do with eternal things. And that's what God's concerned with. Right, I'm going to put the microphone down for a moment. I want you to put your hands like this. So when we become a Christian, we become connected with God. Alright? And that's what God wants. But God wants something more than being connected. He wants us to be in union with them. In other words, like that. Alright? So, what I want you to do 
go back here again and uh, wiggle your index finger and then um, you might feel silly. Your index finger is quite exposed, right? Um, so when you have a trial, um, you just feel a bit vulnerable often. But if you like this, now wiggle your index finger. Even though it's on its own, it's held and you feel it's supported. So the purpose of trials are to develop our union with God, right? So then it take us deeper into God. So that we're fused within. Right? That's 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 the whole point of our life. It's the whole point of our life is that we develop this union with God. That's why we're alive. Heaven, you might think heaven is, is difficult to understand, it is. But if you think about heaven just being being with God, that's, that's what it is. You don't have to try and get your head around what you're going to do. You're just going to be with the love of your life, the joy of your heart. You're going to be with God. Um, and this is what he wants for us. So you might feel you're here just clinging on. Or you might feel you're here, but this is where God wants us to be, wrapped up in him. So you can't really tell. Sometimes you get, if, you, if you do this, you cannot really tell which fingers which you get mixed up. And it's like that. You want to know what's God and what's you. All right, why did we read Mark chapter 4? Someone tell me. What was the relevance of Mark chapter 4 to what we're speaking about? The storm in the boat. Faith. Faith? Yes. It's a, a trial. And the reason I picked this is because it's a trial where Jesus is. So every time we have a trial, Jesus is there. But he's a little bit like a sleeping partner like he was in the boat. Right? So imagine Jesus in the boat. He's there. He's not shouting out his presence, but he's there. He's a sleeping partner. And um, every trial brings its own temptation. So you've got choices you have to make in a trial. Am I going to go this way? Am I going to go that way? Am I going to trust God? Am I going to trust what I feel? And um, I asked um, Ruth and Joey to sing the song, Oh Christ be magnified. I wonder, um, can you find the, the, the bridge section of that for Gary, the bit, um, I will not bow to idols. I've been singing this at home and just realising that this is, it's all about what I'm talking about. I won't bow to idols, I'll stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I rejoice because you're there too. Remember in the fire when they were thrown at the fiery furnace, the fourth person there. I rejoice because you're there too. Right, the next bit, please. I won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what is true. It's exactly what happens in the trial. Are you going to hold to what you feel? Yuck. Afraid. Or are you going to hold to what is true? If the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Because death is just the doorway into resurrection life. If I join you in your sufferings, then I'll join you when you rise. There we've got the eternal aspect coming in. Um, 
And when you return and go out, the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing, my song will be the same. So it's a trial. And with every trial comes its temptation. So what's the temptation in the trial on the boat? Well, you hear one of the disciples crying out, Lord, don't you care? So there's, a, there's, a, there's straight away a temptation to, to go for that. That God isn't really all that nice. Um, he doesn't care. Or why is he let this happen? And in the boat they were, they were afraid, full of fear. And Jesus actually wasn't very happy with them. Because their response was not what he wanted. Now I'm not exactly sure what he wanted their response to be. Um, but they didn't respond well. They responded with fear and doubt. And um, we have to respond well. And we have to, we have to make sure we don't go down the wrong track. And we have an example um, from our life. Me and Anne. Anne's not quite well for this. So she can't be here. Um, but we were buying a house. Um, well, we were trying to buy a house. Um, like you do. And we thought, what a good idea. We'll just, as soon as our house sells, we'll be in a great position to buy a house. So we knew we could stay with our parents, so we actually got to buy it quite quickly for our house. We sold it, and guess what happened? House prices suddenly started to rise. Not just slowly, but quickly. It was like, I don't know quite, I can't remember what happened, but there was trouble with the financial things, and the house prices just started to shoot up. How would you feel if you had your money in the bank, um, you've got no house and the prices of the houses are just going up and up. We felt um, bad, I can tell you. It was a difficult time. And um, again, the temptation was, does God really, does God really care about what's going on with us? Um, and the, the other one is um, the temptation to just fear. To just fear. And when we're in trials, we need to know God's promises because God's promises are wonderful. Um, Adam was talking last week about Jesus, uh, us becoming like Jesus, taking on the very nature of Jesus. Well, in 2, 2 Peter 1, it says this. It says, He has given us His precious and great promises that through them we might partake of the divine nature, exactly what Adam was talking about. He's given us his precious promises that through them we might partake of the divine nature. Isn't that amazing? Through the promises. So, my question to you is, do you treasure the promises of God? Um, my grandchildren are at the moment, well, they're learning promises of God. A, B, C, D, they're going through the alphabet. Some of them are learning. Um, I, learned, I learned promises. I told the, the, um, the former members of St. Luke's, I told that before. I was learning them. Promises are the way out. Because it says we to partake of the divine nature and it says and to escape the corruption that's in the world through evil desire. So it's a twofold thing. But none of you escape the world. Okay. So that's trials. And um, I'm not going to say any more about that. Right, we're going to go on to... Temptation. So the title, just remember this, don't forget that, the purpose of trials. Temptation similarly builds strength because Jesus was led by God to be tempted by the devil. Alright? Now God doesn't tempt us. This verse tells us very clearly God doesn't tempt us. 
Um, and when we were praying the Lord's Prayer and it said, lead us not into temptation, um, I was thinking about Jesus being led into temptation. So even though temptation is awful, we don't want it, we can be strengthened through it. And in fact, the word for temptation and trials in this, in this portion of James is a similar root word. All right? So temptations, the title of this bit is Understanding Temptation and How to Deal with It. Three truths about temptation. They come from within us. You see verse 13, 14. Each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away. And enticed. That word enticed is like the word lured. It's a, it's a word used in fishing where you've got the bait and the fish are lured to the bait. That's what, he, that's what James is picturing there about temptation. So the first point is, temptation starts inside of us. So you can't say the devil made me do it. And you can't say God made me do it. Because the Bible says that God doesn't tempt anyone. God's good. He doesn't do things like that. He works for our good. And he doesn't tempt anyone. The first point is... um, we cannot blame God or the devil. The temptation comes from in us. Second one, a temptation is a lie that needs to be rebuked. Have you ever said? We don't push you around, push your foot around. We spot it, we see it as a lie and we rebuke it. And the third thing is that God has promised in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Got that there, I think, haven't we? 1 Corinthians 10 30. God's promise that no temptation is seized you except what is coming to man. He has a promise. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So there's part one of the promise. Second part, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out. So we have God's promise to help us in temptation. So God knows we're going to be tempted. Given us that promise. We need to know that promise. Because um, if you're stuck feeling that you're going to give in, you need to remember that God said we can we'll make a way out. We'll make a way out. That's what he says. You'll make a way out. So here we've got a Christian man, right? This is a this is just sort of demonstrating what happens when you're tempted. We've got a Christian man, he has a desire inside of him. Now this desire might come because he's needing a bit of comfort. He might just be feeling down. Or he might have seen something which has stirred him up. He has this desire. I want to look at some pornography. Okay? I'm using this example because it's very real for men. And we don't talk about it very often from the front. So there's the, the desire is... He wants to comfort himself. And then the thought comes to him, I'll go and look at some pornography online. Alright, so you've got the desire, you've got the thought, and it's at that point that um, we, have, we have started a fight. At that point, the devil whispers, go on, it's okay for a man to look at pornography every now and then. So he puts his oar in, jumps on the back, so now we've got to fight with the flesh, we've got to fight with the devil, and if we don't know God's word and God's promises, then 
we don't really have much to go on, do we? The promises are like weapons to us, like they're in our armory. We'll pull it out. And, and uh, we, could, we could say about that one from 1 Corinthians 10, or we can bring out, um, we can bring out the promise where it says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and you'll flee from you. So God says. It's God's thought. Um, so the, the man is in this situation, and he has to, he has to fight. So it's a, it's, a, it's a fight. And temptations come to everyone. And James is basically explaining how temptation comes. And it gives the example of giving birth. Desire is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin leads to death. All right? That's, that's what James is saying. So, I want to give you two ways of helping in temptation. The first is using this verse where it says, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. Alright, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. The more you clothe yourself with God, the more you fellowship with God, the less you are able to be tempted. Now, I'm going to give you a little example. This is an example that Bill Johnson uses. We've got Frank and Bob Christian men who go into a restaurant to have a meal. Frank um, goes to sit down at the table. Bob needs the toilet, so he goes to the toilet. Frank sits down. Now Frank is a Christian man. He's struggling. He's had good times, he's had bad times at the moment. He's struggling, he's particularly struggling with money. So he's not like this at all. Probably not like that, more like that. He's, he's stuck sitting on that or hardly at all, and he's just really, really low. He sits down, he sees this 20 pound note tucked under the, the manual holder, and he gets tempted to put it in his pocket. It would really help him in the situation. It'd be great. Okay? So that's Frank being tempted. Frank thinks, I can't do that. God wouldn't want me to do that. So he doesn't, but he, after a little struggle, he's not going to leave that. Bob comes back from the toilet, sees a ten-pound note, shouts to the waiters, "Hey, I've not seen this tip. Someone's left for you." Frank wasn't. Uh, Bob wasn't even tempted because Bob was living close to God. I should have said that first one. Bob's Bob's doing well. He's he's excited and he's he's, he's moving forward. To Bob, it wasn't a temptation at all. So, as we're living in God like this, then a lot of temptations are not temptations at all. The further away we get from God, the more temptations can pull us, pull us in. Um, the second is, is I'm going to give you a little bit of testimony from my life. But first I want to tell you about a Greek word. So, um, can we have... Um, this word up, please. That guy so kindly wrote down for us. Endunameo. Have you ever been excited about a Greek word? <laughs> I'm excited about this one. I'll tell you why. It's the word you use for be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's the word you use for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's the word that you use when it says Abraham grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced God could do what he said. 
It's imperative, it's a command, but it's in the passive voice. So why are we excited about it in the passive voice? Because if um, Paul says to Timothy, preach the word, that's the active voice. Too. Come on, Timothy, preach the word in season, do it. But this means be empowered from without. So when God says, when Paul says, be strong in the Lord, it means be empowered from the outside. It's not, Jackie, get all your strengths together and come on and do this. It means go to God with your weakness and say, Lord, I need your strength. And put it on. <laughs> clothe yourself with strength. That's what it says in Isaiah 52. Wake, wake, Isaiah, and clothe yourself with strength. Close yourself with strength. Put on the Lord Jesus. So, uh, my, my, um, my, um, what's the word? I've forgotten the word. Every day, the pattern of my life now is this. That I get up and I give God all of my weakness and I clothe myself with strength. It says in Romans 13 about the armour of light, putting on the armour of light, and it says clothing yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So there we go, we're going back to this, this whole thing about the desires of the sinful nature. So every morning now, I'm putting on the strength of the Lord. Now I don't even know, but I've had a really difficult two years. I've not been well. I've had all manner of things happen to me. I won't list them. But they've brought me down. And I've been living along a, a low level. A low level. And I haven't been seeking God as, as like I used to. And I've been living just not in the pits. Because I, I wouldn't, but I, I would say I was a bordering on being depressed. Just couldn't, couldn't get, couldn't get going. Couldn't handle things very well. Um, just struggling with life. When my grandchildren came, I couldn't. I didn't have the energy to, to you know, it was like it was something really difficult. Um, so I was low, and then. Um, as I was going to sleep one night, I had a dream. I'd asked God, before I went to sleep, I said, God, these health things, I was particularly talking about my heart, because I have problems with my heart going out of rhythm. I said, is this anything to do with spiritual stuff? Oh, no. Because every time we're poorly, it's always, we always look at the physical and the spiritual. So I started looking at Ephesians 6, 12, which says about our struggles, not with flesh and blood, but it's with the rulers and authorities. <coughs> and then I had this dream immediately after I prayed this prayer. I was just going to sleep. I prayed this prayer. I had this dream. And I woke up straight after it. And I was in a house. And there were intruders in my house. They weren't just there once, but apparently they came every night. This was the idea about my dream. And I thought, I woke up and I was thought, it's clear as day. God wants me to be concerned about the spiritual stuff going on in my life. So, every morning, I started putting on the armour of God. It says, put on the full armour of God so you can take your stand against the other So I started putting on the full armour of God every day, realising that when I'm putting on the armour, 
It's like I'm putting on the garments of splendor. That's what it says in Isaiah 52 after it says, Holy Sabbath strength and puts on the garments of splendor. The breastplate of righteousness, it's like a garment to be proud of, don't you think? Jesus' righteousness. Putting on Jesus is your truth. Isn't that something to be proud of? Helmet of salvation. That's just wonderful. And then I realized that I'm putting on clothing myself with the Lord Jesus. And then I started to attack the areas in my life where I was being attacked. So instead of sitting back and being attacked, I decided to go on the offensive. And I stood up in my spirit. I said, God, I'm standing up in my spirit and I am going to resist the devil. Right? That's, James says that later on in chapter 4, I think it is. Submit to God, resist the devil, and she'll flee from you. It's as clear as day. Says your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom you can devour. So I just felt God saying, stand up in your spirit, and instead of waiting for temptations to come and giving in so often, start the fight at the beginning of the day, and then when the temptation comes, it's like you're ready. At the start of that thing about more and nine, it says, be sober, be alert. It's like being alert. So I did that. I've been doing that for a few weeks. And I'll tell you what happened. A week past Thursday, I got up. And I was a different man. Um, I was a different man. I didn't do anything different. But something had lifted off me, completely lifted off me. Whereas I'd been wanting to sit around the house, read books, watch the TV, try to occupy, entertain myself, basically. I started, I, got a, I wanted to do jobs in the house. Didn't have time to read books, I was wanting to do this, do that. And Anne said, hey, I can see you coming back. You're coming back, because I've been away a long time. But something lifted off me. It just lifted off. And um, it was as clear as that. One day I was like that. The next day, something had lifted. And I believe that's because I started dealing with spiritual stuff. Instead of always physical, physical. Go to the doctor, do this, do that. Because my problems were physical problems. And they were creating a, a downness which was Cause another temptation. So I started tackling lust, resisting spirits of lust, resisting spirits of fear, resisting spirits of greed, resisting spirits of idolatry. And I was like covering my life, bringing the cross of Jesus Christ, the victory of the cross between me and all these spirits that were um, coming after me. So that is um, what I did. Right. So. I felt like that was perhaps the most important thing to share this morning, that bit of testimony, because we don't think about the warfare that's going on. So when I see Sam Archer, what do I say to you, Sam? Mighty warrior. I say, hello, mighty warrior, because the Bible talks about Gideon being a mighty warrior, and I believe that Sam is a mighty warrior, because God's with him. We're all mighty warriors. All right. I know that I've gone on for half an hour now, so I have to stop. But I want to just take a moment to talk about 16 and 18 verses. The temptation in our hearts is, don't you care? When we have, when we have a trial, don't you care? 
it's like the goodness of God is tested. Right? Now God's not nice. If he was nice, he wouldn't let trials come our way. He's not fair, because if he was fair, we'd all be born in the same situation, situations. We'd all have the same benefits and advantages. He's not fair. But what God is, is he's good and he's just. Fair and nice, and fair and nice are earthly words. They're just, they're shallow. You can't, you can't use them to describe God. They're earthly words. <clears throat> just and good. And what verses 16 to 18 tell us, don't be deceived. Now, I, I take that to mean, don't be deceived that God can um, tempt you. And um, don't be deceived about the goodness of God. He says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. We have to determine in our hearts that we will decide that God is good. One of the four cornerstones of belief for Bethel Church are God is good. That's one of the four things that, that Bill Johnson puts out. God is good all the time. So these verses at the end are just telling us that God is good, even to the point of saying that he's given us a birth. He chose to give us birth. He decided at his own free will to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits. So just let's put this last verse up and we'll finish with this. This is from the message. It's verses 16 to 18. So, my dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. Some archers part of the crown of all God's creatures. <coughs> I like Sam. Don't you like Sam? <laughs> Gerard, I like him too. Gerard, you're the crown of God's creatures. Lorna, I like her too. In fact, I like all of you. Tell the truth. Okay, um, I'm going to finish there. So, embrace trials because there's so much God wants to do to them. Understand the nature of temptation. Preempt it by putting on the strength of God um, and worry. Um, and the third thing is, determine in your heart that the devil will not be able to whisper to you that God isn't good. God is good. Absolutely, all the time. <laughs>